it is Adam, and we had the incredible opportunity to talk to Paul of Tall Heights over Zoom video. Paul is the cello player, singer, and songwriter of the Tall Heights duo. He talked to us about growing up in the Boston area and how he got into music. Him and Tim actually have known each other all of their lives. Tim's older brother was Paul's best friend growing up, so they've known each other for a very long time. Paul comes from a very musical family. His mother is a violin player, later a violin teacher. His dad is a piano player. Grandma was a cello player, and Grandpa, I think, was a piano player as well. So very musical household. He started playing cello around eight years old, did school orchestra, was in the school band, all of that good stuff. And it wasn't until later in life that he realized his friend's younger brother, Tim, was an incredible guitar player and songwriter as well. So they started to collaborate and eventually formed Tall Heights, started busking, selling their first EP just on the streets of Boston, which led to some bigger opportunities for them. We talked about the success of the song Spirit Cold, how they ended up getting a manager, their early, early tours. Paul used to call different venues throughout the country, trade shows with people, and do everything completely independently. And all about their new record, Juniors, which is the third record that they wrote in their house. Tim and Paul live together with their wives and a cat and dog and a baby and now two other babies. But they lived in this house together and wrote three records there. They had six months left on, I believe, their lease when COVID hit. So they spent six months writing and recording what became this brand new record, Juniors. You can watch our interview with Paul Wright on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It'd be awesome if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're Bringing It Backwards with Tall Heights. Well, this podcast is all about you, your journey in music, and we'll talk about the new um, Tall Heights stuff that's coming out. Sounds good. Cool, cool. Uh, first off, where were you born and raised? Uh, I grew up in central Massachusetts in a little town called Sturbridge, and um, that's where my bandmate, Tim, uh, grew up as well. Okay, so did you guys know each other growing up then? We did. We, um, we've known each other since we were little kids. His older brother was my best friend, and Tim was was kind of the little squirt uh, that was always following us around. And oh, interesting. Yeah, eventually we started writing songs on our own. And, um, you know, this is much, much later, like high school and into, into our early twenties. And, um, we were doing different things musically, but we sort of, we saw something in each other and we started writing together. Very cool. Is, is his brother still one of your good friends? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. The that's whole family cool. super close. Like I said, that's, that's amazing. That's amazing. So how did, how did you get into music originally? Uh, I was lucky to have a family that was, doing lots of music around the house. Um, my mom plays violin and as a, like later in life started teaching violin. Um, my dad plays piano and my grandfather's a, a pianist and my grandmother was a cellist. And that's a little uh, bit how I started playing cello. Playing cello. Um, okay. Indirectly. Yeah. And eventually I started, started playing her instrument, but, um, yeah, I just loved, I loved singing and, uh, uh, I loved writing poetry too. So sort of like creative, music was was always gonna happen for me i think did you start on piano like your dad does or was it more like violin cello yeah i know it was a cello thing i sort of did a trial run at piano and and failed 
And um, I don't know, cello was just kind of kind of working. So I stuck with that. That's a beautiful, it's such a beautiful sounding instrument too. I love cello violin. Like the, that, just that string sound is, it just adds so much to sure. a song sure. and to music. How yeah. old were you when you started playing? I was eight. Eight. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And did you do like school orchestra and, and all that did, all yeah. through high yeah. school band and everything? Yeah. Um, yes. High school orchestra and private lessons and like string quartets and music camp in the summer to do more string quartets. And yeah, it was, it was very much a classical thing for me for a long time. And, um, you know, my household just didn't have a lot of pop music playing in it that my parents like could, couldn't really tell you um, an artist beyond maybe the Beatles. Um, oh, interesting. Was not, it all classical music? Totally. Oh. Um, and so, you know, doing so much of that and then being excited to whatever, play what I was hearing on the radio or start creating on my own um, was, was really exciting. When you, like with, with cello, for example, what songs were you trying to, you know, from the radio, were you trying to play? I mean, that must've been a difficult <laughs> process to, to, to try to translate that. For sure. Um, yeah. Uh, at, you know, by that point, by say like high school, I was, I had picked up the guitar and uh, okay. I was muddling my way through piano. And so those instruments were definitely more, more the, um, the play what I'm hearing instruments. Mm-hmm. Um, but my brother was also, um, great at sort of like getting the improv going. He would play things on piano and I would like, you know, play along on cello as if I were a lead guitar or something. So that, oh, okay. that, that was a part of it for sure. But I guess it does translate well. And I mean, the, the cover you guys do of, of Boys Don't Cry, the Cure song is incredible. I was just listening oh, to it. Thanks. Yeah, and the way, the rendition of it, like how it's, you slowed it down and it's just like, it's even more like sad. I don't know how you can accomplish that, but it, yeah, it, but it's beautifully sad, if that makes sense. Thanks. Leave it to Tall Heights to, uh, yeah, <laughs> to just sort of make you cry when, when you didn't want to. Uh, but it is certainly, um, yeah, it's really fun to, to lend the cello to something. You're so used to hearing that riff on electric guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, Very cool. Did you go to Berkeley? I didn't. In Boston? No. Oh, no, okay. Neither of us did. We, we were just sort of starting out as a band around Boston. Um, I went to, uh, to school up in New Hampshire. Tim went to school in Central Mass. And we both did tons of music, but studied other things. Oh, and then how did, how did you come together and, you know, did Tall Heights, how did that start? And obviously success, massive success of the, the song. Thanks. You know, yeah. The I mean, for, for a while it was, um, and from its origin, it was very much a, a songwriting pursuit. Um, once we started collaborating a little bit, we were just sort of sending song ideas back and forth. Um, and you know, this is like early, early days of emailing with, with small attachments. Um, but sort of, yeah, from the get go, learning how to write together remotely. And then when we would be back in the hometown, um, getting into more songwriting together. Uh, so it was, you know, a lot of, a lot of songwriting practice before we began street performing, which is, you know, what we, we think of as the start to tall heights, but, but, um, but it all started from sort of that like kernel of, oh, I, I love how you write songs and, and you like how I write songs. Mm-hmm. 
And then did you guys collaborate together? Like, and then, and for example, like the songwriting process, is it you come to come and are like, okay, I have these lyrics and this melody and here it is on the cello. And then Tim comes in and plays guitar on it. Or how, how does the, how do you guys write together? Yeah. Um, writing for, for this record juniors was um, sort of like an, uh, an even more tall heights version of the usual process um in that we were sort of holed up during covid in our oh, sure. in our house in, in beverly massachusetts um and you know we've got um there's it was a strange year for everyone but a whole lot right. happened for us right and I, I can i can get into that more as we talk about the record but um the usual process is is bringing a kernel of a song to the other person. And that might be a verse and a chorus, or it might just be an instrumental for the other person to write on, but it's mm -hmm. usually sort of acting as asking the other person to sort of produce the song or help, help finish it. Um, and with regards to the last record, you know, we were just doing it every day. I lived downstairs, Tim lived upstairs. We wake up, we get together and, uh, and we, we dig into the ideas, you know, I got this one from last week here. Let me play you a new, a new mm -hmm. idea and, um, and following the, the enthusiasm. Um, and yeah, I say that this writing process for this record was, was this especially tall heights, um, because it was so isolated. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's an intimate thing. It's like mm -hmm. two of us in a room for months writing songs as as covid rages around us and and there are also um myriad personal things going on it was kind of a roller coaster for both of us since putting out the last record um you know tim tim lost his grandfather i lost a grandfather like figure our parents mm -hmm. were having health issues um a substance abuse issue on on tim's uh side um both of our wives were pregnant we're realizing we need to move out of this house that we've lived in and loved and in which we've written the last three records. Um, and all of those things, you know, are sort of swirling around us. Um, there's a lot to process emotionally. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and we were able to sort of channel that real time into the songs into we were writing. New record. Wow. Wow. Let's say it does sound like a lot. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's, um, it is a realization that when it rains, it pours. And uh, mm -hmm. through all that joy and grief and anxiety and, um, and, and stress um, came a, a lot of material that, you know, just sort of like bubbled to the surface. I, I think we tend to think, um, I feel really lucky to, to be creators professionally mm -hmm. and i love hearing from fans that a song has has done something for them has been therapeutic but mm -hmm. don't think about the process of songwriting as as therapy or i didn't until writing this record but there really, there really was so much to process mm -hmm. and um and it all just sort of came out as i said um in real time wow wow i want to rewind a, a little bit here you guys had a I mean, right out the gate, I had a huge song with To Be Young. Was that, did you know that, like, tell me about this kind of success of that song and, 
you know, once you, you said you started off kind of busking, right. And then you put an EP out and then was, yeah. did it kind yeah. of take off from there? Uh, it, that was very much a, um, an authentic grassroots growth moment. And that I, I don't think we recognize a ton of, um, of success digitally or, you know, there mm-hmm. wasn't, there wasn't a lot, um, to point to on the internet that said that song was going well, but we were playing music on the street every day and people were sort of stopping what they were doing and buying the CD and, okay. and taking it home. And um, so, yes, I think that song helped us feel like, you know, if we could just um, find a way to dedicate more time to this and get out on the road, people will respond to, to what we're doing. The, mm-hmm. the street performing thing was just an amazing um amazing opportunity to hone what we do to sort of like find the tall heights essence mm-hmm. uh, the guitar cello vocal thing and um you know we started out playing cover songs and then we realized uh if we play songs from the heart that are good songs people will stop and they will listen and they those you know busking evenings turned into concerts it was awesome Wow. And then at the first EP, you're selling it, what, just as you're busking and oh, yeah. to oh, people yeah. stopping by and did what's the, I mean, the next record or the next EP you put out was the one that has a few, I mean, the couple of songs that are like in the 50 million plays on Spotify. Like, was that the, the next kind of hurdle? Like what was the next kind of jump up for, for, for the band? Like, yeah. So we're, we're, um, a full length and an EP later there spirit cold coming out was, was a, a huge moment for us. Sure. Um, it, uh, it found a home at Spotify and people started responding and then it just sort of had this life of its own that, uh-huh. um, for whatever reason, um, on first listen, that's that song seems to really grab people. And at that point we're already, you know, touring, around the country, but it was uh, a huge catalyst for, you know, getting on bigger tours and um, growing our own live shows, um, you know, sign, sign the record deal and, uh, and starting to like push out internationally. Uh-huh. So uh, yeah, that was, that was a huge, a huge time for us. So prior to that though, it was, you were already touring and, and just doing the grassroots thing. Very much so. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it was, it was strongest in new England, but, um, we had, you know, all these email lists of people from, uh, from the street performing days and lo and behold, they would show up in Seattle and, and we'd have a crowd. Um, and we were doing absolutely everything by ourselves back then and touring strictly as, as a duo. So it was, uh, it was a lot and it was exciting too. Mm -hmm. Was it, were you booking your own shows? Was it one of those things where like, okay, when you come to town, you can play with us. And when we go to Seattle, like we'd love to jump on a show with you. Is it in, in that for, regard? For a while. Yeah. For a while before we had, you know, um, an agent and a manager Team. and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I'd book the shows way back and I'd sign Timothy's name at the bottom. Cause it seemed like Timothy was a good name for somebody who was responsible. Um, and, <laughs> yeah. That's funny. That's funny. And when did the management come around? Was that due to the live shows or was that once uh, that second record or the records are doing well? Uh, 
we started working with a manager in 2013, I think that was oh, okay. when we put out Men of Stone and, uh-huh. um, and had some, some good press around the record and we were touring a bit. Um, and so, yeah, that was the, you know, the, the start of, of our sort of building a, a team around us and, um, whatever team, team members have, have changed, oh gone, but, yeah. um, but the, the net result is that, um, I don't have to book the shows and sign my name, Timothy. Um, and we are feel really lucky to get to spend most of our time, uh, you know, writing or being on the road. Yeah. Amazing. And where were you guys at? I mean, speaking of COVID and how you were kind of huddled up in the house and writing this new record, were you on a tour when that happened? Like, where were you guys at when the, the hell thing came crashing? We were, we were just finishing a national tour and it, it was our best headline push yet. Um, we had made almost a full lap of the country and we, we took a week off and then we were just headed back to finish sort of new England plus a few Canada dates. And, um, as any band that was touring at the time will remember, it was just that really tricky thing of like, is the show on? Is it not on? Should we cancel? This seems like they're not going to cancel. So we have to make the call. Um, ultimately we feel like we made a lot of good calls before that, you know, that day when everything was canceled forever. Mm -hmm. Um, and we were, you know, sad to miss some of, some of our favorite, uh, cities at the end, but in the grand scheme of things compared to a lot of other bands we know um we were fortunate in in getting a winter tour in before it hit but Mm -hmm. it was an incredibly jarring transition to go from you know show after show in the van with the band and um and then suddenly grinding to a halt and being at home together in in the home we lived in with with our families um you know seeing nobody talking to nobody um and getting the getting to work on this record. Mm-hmm. So were you, were you guys touring um, pretty colors for your actions? Was that the the record you were touring at the time? Yeah, it, okay. it was. Yeah. We had already um, done a release tour on that record, but this was kind of the follow-up and it felt like um, by that time people had really like lived with the record yeah, and, and had to celebrate it. Wow. And so this all happens and you and Tim are both living together with your wives at this point. Yeah. We called it the, the tall house um, okay. in Beverly Mouse mass and uh it uh yeah it just became became our covid cocoon and um yeah there, there's just I, I wish i wish i could walk you through the place um in, in its heyday because we're, we're not there anymore but um but the record i feel is like this kind of time capsule living breathing time capsule of of two couples and a, a baby you know crawling then walking around two more babies along the way in utero. Um, Tim has a dog. I've got a cat. They hated each other. They're always like <laughs> trying to kill each other. Um, it's like a sitcom. Totally. <laughs> and, uh, meanwhile, we're up there on the third floor in our little room, um, laying out songs and, uh, you know, writing, recording, writing lyrics and, uh, and weathering the pandemic in, in a way that in retrospect seems a little strange. I mean, I know a lot of people had a hard time being creative during the pandemic and we certainly weren't ignoring what was going on around us. And as I said, so much, uh, personal life things happening, even COVID aside. Um, Sounds like, yeah, but, uh, it was beautifully simple to just have this one job to do you know, no, nobody to talk to you on the phone, no 
band members to talk to in the van, just the two of us, just like day one. Um, and I think it really helped us distill what we do best and sort of like re-embrace that Tall Heights um, is and has always been, even when there's lots of other folks in the picture, um, mm-hmm. uh, a, a partnership of, of, of two dudes who, um, who just seem to like each other a little too much. <laughs> With that, uh, you said this is the what third record you wrote in that house? Were you guys living together for quite some time prior to that? Six years, yeah. So we wrote oh, wow. and, and Pretty Colors there. Um, Spirit Cold was uh, was the first song that we sort of finished in that house or in the very first month. So it really? was uh, yeah, what an energy. I mean, to have that song do so well, you obviously totally. there's something <laughs> that's that's very interesting. So the first song you wrote there is that one. It goes huge, and then obviously kind of yeah. I mean, I would assume it kind of catapulted a little bit of your career. Yeah, for it's it's hard to remember, um, you know how uh, how much less stability we felt before that song com- compared to now. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, and and yes, it led to so many wonderful things and um, great tours and and you know eventually the, the Ben Folds partnership and traveling overseas and um, yeah, lots lots of lots of new fans for sure. But, um, but I think what you just said sort of like is reminding me of, um, yeah, that, that recognition that we're sort of coming to, um, around this record, uh, that, um, with all that turmoil and the roller coaster we're on and just being creative people pursuing a creative dream, um, there's no real end to that roller coaster. I think we'd be kidding ourselves if we think we like have it fully figured out and, um, and like, we know what's coming for us in life and, um, juniors, the name of the record, um, is, is a, an acceptance and sort of an ownership of that idea that, um, we're not in control here. We're just going to like, see the world through the eyes of a child and learn from it and embrace it, stay humble and, um, and, and, you know, find, find beauty in, in all the, the sadness and the joy, the highs and the lows. I like that. What, what, tell me about the Ben Folds partnership that you're talking about. We opened a tour um, a few years back maybe 2017. It was his paper, airplane request tour where people were just making paper airplanes. Oh, sure. Okay. We opened that just, um, you know, like a theater tour around the country. Um, we eventually started singing a song with him on stage. We were hopping up for, um, still fighting it. And, uh, and then we finished that tour. We had, you know, um, had a great time together. He called us a few months later. Uh, we happened to be in Orlando at a, theme park uh <laughs> <laughs> just killing, killing uh killing some daytime hours before the show hitting the water slides sure and uh and he said um hey i'm thinking about doing this band tour do you um do you guys play things other than guitar and cello and we said you know not not well no no basically and he <laughs> said okay well 
let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome that you were like, yeah, of course. Like, and then thinking in the back of your head, I'll go learn this instrument toward them. Yeah, holds. yeah, no. He, <laughs> that was honest a, with them right setup. at the bat. <laughs> well, it would only have been a setup for disaster. Um, <laughs> so, so we did uh, two summers of touring as his band. So it's Ben, myself on cello, Tim on guitar, and a little bit of auto harp. And we both sang um, our drummer, Paul, playing drums. Um, and then a fellow, Ross Guerin, playing bass harmonica and, um, and some synths. Wow. And those were uh, amazing tours. Great times. I can imagine. Ben Folds always has some cool creative ways of, of touring in the sense of like the paper airplane thing. Remember when chat roulette was a thing and he would go yeah. and he would set it on his, his, yeah. his, his piano and then like just be people would come through and then it would just be him like on stage. I got thought that was so hilarious. I, I heard about those tours. Yeah. Even the like writing songs on the fly, you know, like in front of the audience, such a funny thing to to see but then also to be on stage for and to sort of like try to start playing along as he's making up the song and you're playing in front of five thousand people at, at the oh i didn't even think about that you kind of have to in, uh, improvise off what he's just doing on stage oh yeah for sure um he is i mean a great a great band leader and um awesome awesome to work with but he's sort of like happy to just challenge us i mean i think that's what he's really good at is is knowing how much he can push you um mm. to be your best and and pushing you exactly that far so uh so he'd be like okay let's do this one for the encore as we're like backstage right before the encore we'd be like okay we've never played that together <laughs> <We're> like, <laughs> you got it that's cool that's you must have to know a ton of his songs i would assume before you go on tour just he'd be probably like here's 90 songs you need to know we learned a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a lot of, um, a lot of practicing. Yeah. I uh, can imagine. I can imagine. Well, with this new record, once COVID happened, you guys are obviously home in or after the tour and now it's okay. We're all stuck inside. What, how quickly do you start writing juniors or this, this or the new record coming out? Yeah. I, uh, I kid you not. I remember, you know, that like Friday, everything shut down. Um, I think by Monday, uh, I think we talked about it over the weekend. We sort of like made a schedule that worked with the family. We're like, okay, we're going to just like hit this eight to four. This is, uh, we have six months left in this house. No idea how long this COVID thing's going to last. Um, let's just start going. Um, and the track that I remember first uh, from that very first week of, of COVID um, is waking up Um and I think that without, you know, a plan for the whole record yet, or an idea of exactly what it all meant together, um, this like the very first verse of that kind of says a lot about the, the juniors um, mentality and the lyrics are youth is a blanket tattered and torn trailing behind me on the floor. There is never going to be a good time to tell us that everything we hold dear has to end. Now we're waking up. That's a, a little bit what I'm, what I'm talking about with the therapy thing. Mm -hmm. I, did, I didn't, uh, it's not a sentiment. I know I, we knew we needed to, to voice, but it sort of, um, it bubbled up. And um, again, COVID aside, there's just the, a, a lot of sort of reckoning of, of, um, of life and life, mm -hmm. major life events. And um, 
and and realizing that you know that those those uh carefree days of youth are, are behind us as we watch mm-hmm. our grandparents go and our mm-hmm. our parents age and and try to bring kids into this this messed up world um so we we hit the ground running is the answer to your question wow wow so both your wives were pregnant at the time during covid did or- Yeah, I, uh, I had, we had, my wife had our our first son in, um, January and, and Tim and his wife had their second, um, in March of this year. So yes, from congratulations. uh, Thank you. How is that? I I mean, this cut off topic, but I have a five-year-old son and I can't imagine like being in that whole environment. I mean, well, January, maybe it was a little bit less intense with the COVID thing. Like, I mean, family being there and I certainly felt. Um, been difficult. You know, it, through the fall, I th- this is sort of at the point where we had moved out from this house we had shared. So we're mm-hmm. no longer together, but yeah, I, you could like feel the news tightening a little bit in terms of hospitalizations and just like worrying, like, am I going to get to go to the hospital? Right. And that's, like that's the best case worry. Right. Um, right. And just trying to just, to just stay safe as we all did. Mm-hmm. Um, it was scary. Uh, but, um, but everything, you know, we feel very lucky. Everything that worked out. That's yeah. good. That's really good. And again, congratulations. So, so, so cool. Thanks. Uh, yeah. I'm curious if you guys had the whole record written in that house, if you'd made it the whole album through in that six month period. We did. Uh, we, we kind of had, uh, we had a whiteboard going with all the song ideas and it, and it came down to the wire, you know, we're like, okay, we got like four weeks left. We really need to pack the last two weeks. So let's, um, let's get this done <laughs> quickly. Um, and so we had um, the full record plus a bunch of others that, that didn't make the cut fully demoed out. And, um, and, and we wrapped that up in August. And then later uh, from separate locations, we continued to tweak them just a little bit. Um, and in December, we drove out to Omaha in our van, you know, like stopping nowhere, mm-hmm. not touching anything and we um and we finished the record with uh with mike mogus um and that was a a a unique process for us and a a validation of all the work we had done while we were together because we were sort of in that zone where we're like are we actually recording here or are we making demos that will then be used to inform the actual recordings and um and we used so much of what we recorded in that house and then just added to it and then like mixed it in Omaha. Um, and if you don't care about whatever, for people who don't care about recording, it doesn't matter. But the reason I say it is because, um, we got really got to act as our own initial producers on this record and Mm -hmm. sort of deciding what sounds, um, you know, paint the landscape for the story you want to tell. Other records like Pretty Colors, we've made in a studio more of a band thing, and you're sort of like deciding whether the band sounds good, and that's the recording. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this case, it was Tim and myself deciding, okay, is this is this the keyboard sound that paints the picture? Is this the snare sound that works? And I think that made this record the most tall heights it can be, and, and maybe sure. for the most tall heights sounding record of of the batch yet probably more closer to the the earlier earlier days of of the band i would think right in some ways it how we made early stuff yeah like Mm -hmm. to be young that was 
two of us in a room way back with, with some primitive gear and recording software. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously these recordings um, are, are more layered and, um, and, and, and lush, I guess, but, uh, but process wise and sort of like mm-hmm. focus wise, very much so mimics the early days. And, uh, and as I said, just a, a reminder, the whole reason we're doing this is because we value each other and Mm -hmm. we value each other's artistic vision. And um, it's easy to start taking that for granted when you've been pursuing that together for so long um, and sort of start listening to the other voices you've welcomed into the conversation in -hmm. a great way. But um, you forget to sort of focus in on the one-on-one that the opportunity uh, of, of being quarantined together afforded us. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like when you got to Omaha and you have these recordings that you, you know, listen back to maybe a vocal take or, or a, a piece that you played on cello and it's like, because that moment was, you know, recorded and you're feeling that moment at that time, trying to go replicate it wouldn't feel as maybe authentic or like it wouldn't cut through like the way it did in that initial recording. In some cases you get attached to um, to the exact way you did it and the exact performance. And it's scary to reopen it. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a lot of cases, what we were doing in Omaha was, was not recutting, but layering. So Mike and his studio, you know, has beautiful, a beautiful grand piano and, um, and marimba and yeah, just wonderful options for additional instrumentation. Mm-hmm. And so, um, there wasn't a whole lot of let's scrap this and, and oh, do it again. More building and on what you had created there. It was. And I think um, that left Mike with the job to sort of really find a place for everything because they, they got pretty layered up. And I think he did an amazing job. Do you feel like this is kind of a chapter like with the, the house, not, not being in the house anymore, kind of a chapter with ending with, with tall heights. And now it's going to, now you have to kind of, you know, re do you, do you have any emotions towards what's going to come now, next, now that you're not in that, that space that you had written all those other songs in? Yeah, it is. Um, it does feel like the end of the chapter and it reinforces the whole juniors thought process of um, there is no comfortable solid ground. It'd be easy to just, say, Hey, we can just do that again. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I, I think we're realizing that that is not going to happen for us. And, um, even if it could, maybe that's not what brings out the best in us. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I, I don't know exactly how we'll cut the next one, but the other part of it is that we do feel empowered by all the creative decisions we made Mm -hmm. in making juniors. And so even though I'm now, you know, tracking things from home in Maine and Tim is tracking things in Massachusetts. Um, I think the whole process of juniors has made us feel like whatever we do next, the things we're doing at home have value and the decisions um, we make with each other, um, whether they make it onto the record or not, um, they will be very tall heights decisions because I think at this point, we're pretty good at knowing what tall heights is. Sure, sure. When, when do you guys have a release date for the record yet? I know you just released the song The Mountain not too long ago. Yeah, uh, I don't 
think we have an announce um okay that's yet but um but i think i can say that that um we're we'll continue to um release tracks toward it and um and and we'll be excited to, to share that date soon very cool very cool and one more question on the the record and what about the, the on the cover actually the cure cover was that something that was recorded in that same space in that same session very much so yeah okay um as were the few do-overs that we released, like there's a do-over of, of To Be Young since you brought that track up. Uh-huh. Um, and yes, all done um, in the tall house um, in, that, in that little cocoon of a room. Amazing, amazing. And thank you so much for, for doing this, Paul. I appreciate it. Of course, great chatting with you. Um, thanks for your questions and, and your interest. Yeah, I, I do have one more question for you before yeah. I let you go though. Um, yeah. I wanna know if you have any advice to aspiring artists. Yeah, I would say devote as much time as you can to writing. And, um, and when you're spending that time, believe in yourself, you know, like leave, leave your questions and your anxiety about making ends meet and, you know, achieving your goals, just check that at the door and, um, and write like you have an audience waiting to hear what you have to say, because you probably do. And um, the hardest thing I think um, is trusting in yourself um, to execute that.